Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 14th of May 2013. For newcomers, help yourself to the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Lots of information on it. Go into the archives section and there's well over a thousand and a half audios for free download where I go through the history of the big system we're living through. Our system was devised long before your grandparents were even born and really every generation is going through uh, the next part of the big plan, the, the, the great work you might say. In fact they call it that at the top too, to reshape the planets into an orderly society run by those who are deemed fit to rule it. And they got together a long time ago, well over a hundred years, and set up a system that would, which would really take the place of governments. In fact, in fact, they run the governments. They're above governments and they run governments. And of course, they set up their private foundations with trillions of pounds, trillions of dollars, and they have, they have uh, departments across every country in the planet. They put in politicians, prime ministers and presidents, have done for an awful long time. doesn't matter what party you vote for because they run them all. And the whole idea is to bring in, as I say, a planned society across the world for the future rather than let people just breed away and uh, choose their partners and so on. Uh, they want a planned society from birth to death. Uh, the state will control you. And, of course, that's happening in Scotland now, of course, with the GERFEC program that's been introduced there. They're given psychological tests to babies even at the age of two months uh, onwards right through their whole lives. And an advocate supposedly from the government is put in charge of every single individual to guide them through their lives. And of course, if you're not being guided properly or you're resisting your so-called guidance or indoctrination, you go off for re-education and a few tightening of different screws and bolts in your head. But that's basically the system we're living through, a controlled society. You can see it all around you today. There's no mystery at all. And in fact, politics has become a bit of a farce, I mean, even more of a farce than it used to be. And uh, it's run by marketers, the, the guys you see and think you elect. All you have is photo ops and so on, completely public relations uh, figures made up by the, the corporations that run them. So we don't even know who they really are, to be honest with you, or what they're really like at all. And um, they just, just rubber stamp what they're told to rubber stamp by the powers above them for a world society. This is the century of change, 21st century, and it's all to be done this century. And I remember, too, that you bring me to you. You're the audience that bring me to you. I don't take on advertisers as guests or bring on sponsors advertise and so on. Uh, so I depend upon you to keep me going, just taking along by getting the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And remember, I go through the histories of the con games. It's all, the whole world's a con game. History is a con game. And the rulership of people is always a con game as well, especially in empires. And I go through the history of conology. It's an, something that should be taught in every, to every, in every school to the children so they can recognize it right away. And psychopaths and so on, and the traits of the psychopaths. Because psychopaths can cooperate and they do form clubs, and they run them awfully efficient, uh, efficiently, actually. So, 
You should get the books and discs. And from the US to Canada, you can order by using personal checks still. And you can use international postal money orders from the post office or send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram and PayPal. And street donations are always awfully welcome in these times of inflation, which is simply the devaluation of the currencies across the world. And that, again, is all being uh, arranged to bring in more crisis and more crisis because every crisis that's created uh, is to bring in the solution. The solution is written before they give you the crisis, you understand? It's just how to get there. So they give you the crisis, and then, of course, they offer the solution, and bingo, there you are. And eventually they want to bring in a world currency. I don't know how soon that will be, but they've already brought the euro in, as you see, for Europe. They talked about one for for Americas and one for the Far East Pacific Rim. In fact, Australia is now an equivalent par with the Chinese currency now, too. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix where we go through the big system and how it really is as opposed to how it's presented to us because you see everything's perception management and your, your top perception is actually used on, you should say, from a very early age. Even your parents use it on you without knowing it because they were indoctrinated too. So they give you their version of reality and you'll come to accept the things that they simply accept simply because they are the way it is. So this is the way it is. And it's, it's that simple really. And if your parents haven't asked big questions, then you generally won't ask them either. School takes over, and then you're into the mass mind, especially groupthink today, because all countries try to get the perfect citizen, uh, and today it's really into social changes and, and, and so on, personality changes, to make you all part of the group rather than individual. The individual is frowned upon. Even the United Nations said that to the greatest enemy to their peace is an individual. And uh, so they want you all to be uh, programmed, basically, for for groupthink, you'll agree with everyone else, and of course everybody else will agree with the ones that are specially chosen at the top, the experts for them to follow, and they do. They're always on television, experts and this and experts and that, and they, they, they generally pick one or the other. You're always given two to choose from, and you pick one or the other. They're, they're both approved for you to pick, so that's how it really works. It's a very simple technique, and as I say, they turn out standardised people. That's what... Um, Pink Floyd's song was all about in the movie too and you're another brick in the wall I mean basically that's what you are and again it's a Masonic thing as well because the perfect Ashlar this is say that they turn a person into the perfect Ashlar which is really a form of a brick and you're squared on all sides Anyway, uh, we are in a world that truly really mass, has mass manipulation hell if I coordinated too at the higher, higher levels and those people who network together are more likely to get succeed in all areas of life and financial life especially uh, because they network heavily. Some cultures are more prone to it than others. But here's an article in the, today's, in the paper. It's from Pravda. It says the Russian capital was ranked second on the list of cities in which the number of billionaires' uh, residents is the largest. Now, uh, Russia, remember, was a communist nation. 
uh, it was a great egalitarian place, you know, everybody was equal, supposedly. And it was a worker's paradise, you know. They kept you in la-la land while you half starved, some of the people. And, and of course, they couldn't get ahead because there was no incentive to get ahead. You were stuck in the same position for years. But above them, you had this massive political class that had moved in, a lot of them from the States, in fact, and elsewhere, and Germany, that caused the revolution. They were financed to do it. And they lived like kings all through the Soviet era because you had a slave population, really. And the U.S. was heavily involved in financing them too. Canada and the U.S. fed them all through the Soviet era with grain. They put the bids in every year for grain. And Canada and the U.S. used to fight over it. It's a big, big contract. And uh, and, and anyway, uh, at the end of it all too, uh, you had a country that didn't know at the bottom levels at least what capitalism even was. And they were suddenly to go capitalist. So they sent the boys over from the U.S. Federal Reserve. Some of them had a lot in common with the guys in the Moscow. And they literally supposedly sold or gave off the shares to everybody of all the state-run corporations. Of course, they didn't at all. They gave it to certain people who are now the billionaires. Simple as that. That's how it happened. Anyway, it says, according to the list compiled by analysts of Wealth Insight, there are 64 billionaires in Moscow. The Russian capital thus comes second after New York City, which is a home to as many as 70 billionaires. The top three include the British capital, there are 54 billionaires in London, and then Hong Kong comes fourth with 40 billionaires at the moment. Now, these billionaires don't have to have their cash in the country, generally they don't. Uh, and uh, uh, they're the wisest folk. But then again, too, these are the guys who never lose the cash either when banks go under and so on, even in Cyprus. There's always special deals done for them. Now, also, the large families that rule the world, again, it's from Pravda. See, some people have started realizing there are large financial groups that dominate the world. Forget the political intrigues and the conflicts and revolutions and wars. It's not pure chance. Everything has been planned for a long time. Some call it conspiracy theories or new world order. Anyway, the key to understanding the current political economic events is a restricted core of families who have accumulated more wealth and power. We're speaking of six, eight, or maybe 12 families who truly dominate the world. So you know that uh, it's a mystery, difficult to unravel. We'll not be far from the truth by citing Goldman Sachs, Rockefellers, uh, Loeb's Kuhn, and Lehman's in New York, uh, the Rothschilds of Paris and London, the Warburgs of Hamburg, Paris, Lazars in Israel, Moses Seif's Rome. It says, many people have heard of the Bilderberg Group, Illuminati or the Trilateral Commission, but what are the names of the families who run the world and have control of states and international organizations like the UN, NATO or the IMF? To try and answer the question, we can start with the easiest inventory, the world's largest banks, and see who the shareholders are and who makes the decisions. The world's largest companies are now Bank of America, J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, Goldman Sachs, and Morgan Stanley. And it says, um, and it goes through the different banks, Bank of America and so on, and it gives you all the different corporations that are involved in make up that particular bank, the guys and the shareholders. There are corporations, actually. And then J.P. Morgan, two, City Group, Wells Fargo, and Fidelity, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley. And you'll find it's all the same bunch that, are, that really have the, the dominant shares in every single one of them. A small clique, basically, have it. I'll split us up tonight. It's a long article, and you can go through it for yourselves at your leisure, if you're interested. And also, this one here, too, it's, um, the United Nations is always pushing uh, for Internet control. They want sole Internet control over the world. 
Now, the UN was set up by the Royal Institute of International Affairs, a private group, again, a private so-called charitable foundation with the richest people on the planet who formed it at the time when it was set up. And uh, it also has branches across the world, generally called Council on Foreign Relations, but they have other names too. Like in Canada, they changed their name when the CFR got too well known. And... um, and they put politicians into office in every government, and especially the head people. But anyway, the UN's at it again. It wants to go after uh, and get all the, the power for internet control. And it says, um, U.S. State Department and Global Civil Society Groups prep as a UN telecommunication arm ITU tackles internet control at the WPTF 13 this week. This is as, as with the Bellicose WCIT-12, the UN's 2012 World Conference on International Telecommunications last September in Dubai, and its accompanying protests and dramatic walkouts by the US delegation. This forum will be run by the United Nations' notoriously dubious telecommunications arm, the ITU. And it says, um, it's in its final preparation for this meeting, and, uh, it's to do as due in the fall, I think, it says year 2014. In February, on outgoing U.S. Federal Communications Commissioner Robert McDonald testified to Congress in a joint U.S. House subcommittee hearing on international internet governance that the U.N.'s ITU internet plans must be stopped because it's total control. Mind you, it doesn't help by anybody really, the average person, because if it's not them, it's going to be somebody else like it is already. We're always controlled by somebody. Nothing is secret. Everyone knows this now. The whole point of the Internet, understand, was to be given to the public to help the, the new powers that would, that, would, that would start to show themselves about this time. And so that they could have total control over the whole people, all the populations of the world, and know everything about every individual. That's why they gave you the Internet. It wasn't so you could play yourself and be happy. It was for the, the, the big boys always hold on to power. And what a great way to get power, because now they don't want to send all the spies out and, and tap you, your, 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 you know, put bugs in your home and stuff. You, you're, you're putting all your information up daily as you prattle away on the cell phones and so on. And they're all recording it. I've got some articles on that tonight to show you uh, just how far it's, it's gone. But uh, there's the Google, too, as I say, I've always said that Google from its startup was just really a branch, an official branch of the big uh, spy industry, the military-industrial complex. That's what it is. It really is. And even then, they've got departments within Google. They're even making spyware so they help governments hack into all the computers. I've got articles on that today, too. So uh, you have no privacy. Most folk don't mind anymore, especially the young ones. They've they've been born into a lot of them, and they think it's all quite normal to have no privacy. And who needs it type of thing? And, the, the, well, they're gone, you see. And uh, what can you do about that? It's not much. And also, this article too, the Supreme Court sides with Monsanto on a major patent case. Well, always do, don't they? This so isn't usually friendly towards questionable patents, but it came down on the side of agribusiness giant Monsanto, and the case is bound to resonate throughout the biotech industry. And it says, um, the Supreme Court isn't friendly usually, but they are happily about this. It says, it says, the court ruled unanimously that an Indiana farmer violated Monsanto's patent on genetically modified soybeans when he culled some from a grain elevator and used them to replant his own crop in future years, it says. 
It's as if simple copying were a protected uh, uh, use. A patent would plummet in the value after the first sale of the first item containing the invention. Justice Elena Kagan ruled in a short 10-page opinion. The undiluted patent monopoly, it might be said, would extend not for 20 years as the Patent Act promises, but for only one transaction, and that would result in less incentive for innovation than Congress wanted. Now, it gets spread even, as we've had cases in Canada where the judge actually said to a farmer, I don't care if a bird pooped on your land, the fact is it's in your possession, and that's the crime. So you see, Monsanto's been given the big go ahead, just like Bill Gates was given the big go. You know, I mean, it's like parting the Red Sea. I mean, all the laws just parted to let Bill Gates and his, and his gang get right up to the top. It was a made thing, made to be. It was a big organization that made it happen. Same with Monsanto, part of the military-industrial complex. It's meant to happen and take over a good part of the world's food supply. Anyway, it's so we know too today we're getting really uh, tested in all kinds of ways as well. They have virtual yous and me's on every, uh, in the Pentagon, for one instance, and many other ones too, I'm sure, uh, where they take all your daily data and they make a virtual you and play war games on you to see how you react in different situations. And it's very predictable. Back with more after this. Hi, folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. The hypocrisy of uh, the system always gets to you if, you're, if you let it get to you. And yesterday I mentioned about Gosnell, the guy, one of the many abortion doctors, actually, who does this sort of thing, killing children who are born, in fact. And the society's already geared to it today. They won't care much at all because it's a big, it's, it's a common thing to, to slaughter children today. It's, it's a normal thing. And when you see hypocrisy being used for some other agenda, you always know that it's for another agenda. All laws pretty well come from the United Nations and the World Trade, or not the World Trade, but the World Health Organization. I call it Doctor Who. And um, they're the ones who pass all the laws. And they have the big push for stopping smoking. It's okay to inject children with you know, cocaine and stuff and all that, but, but don't smoke cigarettes. But it says here, smoking tests to be given to pregnant women. This is for Britain. Mothers-to-be could be breathalyzed to ensure they're not lying about smoking, which is harmful to unborn babies. Because, you see, Britain really cares about babies. And, and really, you should see the abortion record in Britain. It's astronomical. That's where a lot of the National Health Service money goes. Can't get operations, we can get an instant abortion. Anyway, it's expected mothers should take a breath test to prove if they're smoking or not during the pregnancy. New National Health Service guidance is recommending. An estimated 20% of women smoke while expecting, which is believed to lead to a low birth weight for the babies and cause complications in pregnancy and labor. In a bit to lower the numbers, the National Institute for Health and Clinical Excellence, clinical excellence eh, has said women should be tested for carbon monoxide found in cigarettes during antenatal appointments and given help to quit if levels are too high. The proposals, the proposals have been backed by midwives. And this is um, one of the, the, the women from the Royal College of Midwives says she warned that any test which becomes routine must be offered along with comprehensive information and women must be able to opt out. And it says, but the new tests have also been met with opposition with parenting groups saying future mothers should not be dictated to in such a way. Well, that's a good start about anything, actually. 
Because, you see, this is all to do with the Fabian socialism, which is a part of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. They're on the right wing and the left wing, you understand. And they, they knew a long time ago they'd bring in a society where they would use the left wing big, big time to bring in a society where big government would dictate and run the lives of the ordinary people down, way down below, below the ivory towers where the big fascists at the top run. So you have a communistic system running the whole population and taxing them to death, of course, and always upgrading them and teaching them new uh, tricks, basically. Uh, in other words, behavior modification. And the elite at the top would have the real free lives. They'd be the wild people, as Charles Galton Darwin says. They wouldn't lose their wildness. But all the ones below them would be really trained to be domesticated. And this is what this is all about, training, training, training. Also, and of course it doesn't stop there, it's carrying on the next step and the next step and the next step. Now a slightly radioactive nuke plant water leaks into Lake Michigan. You know, slightly radioactive, you know how that's a good, a good scale for testing, slightly, you know. We all know how much slightly is, don't you? Anyway, it says, um, the Palisades nuclear power plant has been under scrutiny after numerous safety issues. Shut down Sunday for a water leak. 79 gallons of very slightly radioactive water from a leaky tank at the troubled Palisades nuclear power plant spilled in Lake Michigan, a nuclear regulatory commission spokeswoman said Monday. It's no risk to human health because the radioactive material was further diluted when it entered a storage basin before flowing into the lake, said NRC spokeswoman Victoria Mittling. She said there's absolutely no risk to human health. Was well, there you go, see, an expert told you. Because this, this is a public relations person, because that's what they do. Everything, everything goes PR, through PR people who lie to you in the nicest way. Anyway, it's a slightly radioactive, you know, and you can all deal with slight radiation, surely, for goodness sake. And also, this article is quite amazing, too, because it says, not good enough for pet food. And it says, Chinese organic food scrutinized at congressional hearing in Washington, D.C. The House Committee on Foreign Affairs Subcommittee on Europe, Eurasia, and Emerging Threats gathered information today regarding concerns being raised about imports of food from China that are entering the U.S. So it says, um, Castell Tractor, we don't trust for good reason. The Chinese to supply ingredients for dog and cat food, said hearing witness Marky Castell, senior farm policy analyst at the Cornucopia Institute. He says, why Castell asked should we trust Chinese exporters for the food that we are feeding our children and families? It's true enough, the pet food stuff was poisoned a few years ago there, and the stuff in it attacked the kidneys of the animals and they, they died. Uh, but anyway, China's really bad for, for having uh, polluted waters because they're using all the rivers there for their factories and dumping stuff right into them. And then the farmers are taking the stuff with heavy metals and all uh, and literally carrying it to the fields in these buckets. And this is what they use to irrigate the fields for the crops and all the rest of it. Anyway, Castle the USDA and the FDA are only inspecting 1-2% of all the food that enters U.S. ports. And even with the small sample size, Castle noted that a disproportionate number of serious problems are being found with Chinese exports, including unapproved chemicals, dyes, pesticides, and outright fraud, which is fake food. Fake food, folks. Uh, and the Cornucopia Institute, based in Wisconsin, has been acting as an organic food and agriculture industry watchdog for the past decade. The Farm Policy Group has been critical of fraud occurring with imports of organic commodities and finished products entering the U.S. So it says here, in February 2011, the USDA's National Organic Program began informing the public of fraudulent organic certificates. The paperwork required for the formal sale of uh, organic foods. Since then, the USDA has announced 22 fraudulent organic certificates with nine of these from China. 
What a world, eh? Mind you, the guys, these guys behind this stuff are going up. They'll be billionaires too, living in, you know, Shanghai or Hong Kong, Moscow or New York. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the Matrix and talking about the big system that runs the world. And it's made up too of the big one at the top, of course, and then the subgroups and it's like the pyramid. The capstone and all different ones, all different layers all the way down. And they're cartels or clubs, you see, of the richest folk on the planet. They have power in different areas, different influences and so on that they have in different areas. And of running the world, or all the commodities that you need to even survive. And the ones that are presently taking over all the rest of the commodities, natural gas, water, food, everything. And that's the big, big plan, of course. That's why you get perfect slavery in the perfect world, the next part of the utopia they're bringing in. So you find that they, 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 these cartels, if you like, work together. And they all have their different meetings in different countries all the time. And some of the ones in the Bilderberg meeting, in fact, are, are meeting in South Carolina on an island called Kiawa. And it says that, uh, so it's a mini Bilderberg, it's at least one, one group calls it a mini Bilderberg conference, but it's also called the Lucky Gene Club because it's one of the richest folk on the planet. They get together and talk about rapid depopulation of the planet like Oprah Winfrey. Anyway, it says, as of right now, it seems like the closed doors event is sort of a mini Bilderberg group meeting of sorts. One local CBS affiliate and one of the only news sources to be covering this since this local issue says that around 20 highly expensive jets were lined up at the Charleston International National Airport on Johns Island and that Bill Gates and others were at the Sanctuary Hotel on Kiwa Island, it says. It says the attendee list, according to CBS report, includes Jeb Bush, Mayor Michael Bloomberg, Bill and Melinda Gates, Dan Gilbert, owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and Warren Buffett, Oprah, and others. The island is an ideal spot for anyone seeking to avoid the activists that follow these such groups. And due to the fact that the island itself is actually a beach-slash-golf course enclosed with gated security. The population of the island is only a bit above 1,000. It's primarily a private resort for the rich. Well, of course, that's what the sort of stuff they do. Anyway, I'll put this up tonight with another article about it, too. But as I said, too, they also call themselves a lucky gene club, meaning that they were, had the right genes to, you know, get picked to get pushed up to the top. Because that's how it really works, folks. Now, also, too, the big chemical companies are part of the, the military-industrial complex, for those who don't know it. I mean, Monsanto, too, was in with Dow Jones. I mean, Dow Chemical, I should say. And Dow Chemical made uh, Asian Orange during Vietnam. They're still suffering from it yet with deformities in the children because it's really soaked so far into the soil. And and anyway, it doesn't matter. We don't know who cares about these things anymore. And now, of course, Monsanto is dosing their own uh, GM stuff with their own chemicals, which, of course, has a lot of different nasty effects too down the road, especially with the second, third generation. Doesn't matter though, because we've been given no choice in the matter. It's actually what the world's about. It's a world where you have no choices in things. Anyway, it says insanity US approves bee death pesticide at the same time as the EU bans it. There's logic for you. 
SSB Pesticide EPA 263 times 164 Insanity. U.S. approves the bee death pesticide is, is banned from, by the EU. Corporate politics is business, as usual, inside the U.S. And it says um, the EPA has sided with industry lobbyists over public health and approving a highly dangerous pesticide that the European Union recently decided to ban over fears of environmental devastation. Not only have the neonicotinide pesticides been linked repeatedly to mass bee deaths, also known as colony collapse disorder, but the continued use of such pesticides threatens other aspects of nature and humans as well. So, as I say, they ban it in one place, and they, they, they see it's the big boys that make the stuff. They always make sure uh, that they talk to their pals, which are countries, and, and say, look, they're putting us out here, so how about you take it on instead? And that's how it works. It's quite simple when you get that kind of cash. Now, the government obtains wide uh, AP phone records in probe, it says. Interesting, in this one, it says, it says uh, Associated Press. So that the U.S. government has been investigating and, and, and taking all the phone records of all the reporters. Now, there's a sign of the totalitarian regime. That's right there, folks, you know. It says, the screen on the phone console reception desk of the Associated Press Washington Bureau Monday, May 13th, 2013. The Justice Department secretly obtained two months of telephone records of reporters and editors for the Associated Press and what the news cooperatives uh, topics they've called a massive unprecedented intrusion into how news organizations gather the news. This is really, really tyranny, folks. And it says... Um, the Justice Department has secretly obtained two months of telephone records of journalists for the Associated Press, and what it says, this is an unprecedented intrusion, etc., into news gathering and how they're doing it. So it says here, the records obtained by the Justice Department listed outgoing calls for the work and personal phone numbers of individual reporters for general AP office numbers, New York, Washington, and Hartford, Connecticut. And for the main number for the AP in the House of Representative Press Gallery, according to attorneys for the AP, it wasn't clear if the records also included incoming calls or the duration of the calls. In all, the government seized the records from more than 20 separate telephone lines assigned to AP and its journalists in April and May of 2012. The exact number of journalists who used the phone lines during that period is unknown, but more than 100 journalists work in the offices where phone records were targeted on a wide array of stories about government and other matters. In a letter of protest sent to the Attorney General Eric Holder Monday, AP President and Chief Executive Officer Gary Pruitt said the government sought and obtained information far beyond anything that could be justified by any specific investigation. He demanded the return of the phone records and destruction of all copies. Says there could be no possible justification for such an overbroad collection of the telephone communications of the Associated Press and its reporters. These records potentially reveal communications with confidential sources across all of the news gathering activities undertaken by the AP during a two month period and provide a roadmap to AP's new gathering operations and disclose information about AP's activities and operations that the government has no conceivable right to know. The government won't, wouldn't say why it sought the records. Officials have previously said in public testimony the U.S. Attorney in Washington is conducting a criminal investigation into why and who may have provided information contained in a May 7, 2012 AP story about a foiled terror plot. The story disclosed details of a CIA operation in Yemen that stopped an Al-Qaeda plot in the spring of 2012 to detonate a bomb on an airplane bound for the United States. 
In testimony, February CIA Director John Brennan noted that the FBI had questioned him about whether he was AP's source, which he denied. He called the release of information to the media about the terror plot an unauthorized and dangerous disclosure of classified information. So you see, what would have happened if this hadn't got known and the thing went through with the bomb and the whole bit? Maybe that's what's supposed to happen, eh? But anyway, this is the sort of thing that's happening, and uh, there's no free press. Never, never really was a free press, because you understand all reporters, too, especially when they go into Congress and so on, or in London, into Whitehall, they, they have to be pally with the politicians and not be awfully nasty to them and be always writing sort of good stuff about them. Otherwise, they lose their ticket to get in. That's how it works. But uh, even a little bit that's left of freedom has been taken away because the public must be conned at every turn with authorised statements from the government, you see. Now, the United Nations, of course, this great uh, unelected body that is not democratic, um, that is based in New York City, uh, is urging people again to eat insects to fight off world hunger, right? To fight off world hunger, yeah. And... A few years ago, I read uh, an article that decided coming out with this stuff. Oh, insects can be good for you. And uh, there's a couple of rich little people from England that were sent across the world to put this kind of nonsense out. And then, of course, they, they started to say, oh, certain celebrities in Hollywood do it, because I always paid them to, to come up with this nonsense too, because people follow the, the stars, you see. And um, so he said the United Nations at it again. So in other words, repetition, repetition, you get used to the idea subconsciously in your head that it's coming. And it said, uh, eating more insects could help fight world hunger, it says. The report by the United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization, this is the same UN Food and Agricultural Organization, it said years ago when they were set up, it says that uh, farming is too important to be left to farmers. They want corporate farms only. You know, the big boys, Monsanto's and, and ADM and so on. It says that eating insects could help boost nutrition and reduce pollution. It notes that over 2 billion people worldwide already supplement their diet with insects. So what? However, it admits that the consumer disgust remains a large barrier in many Western countries. Not to continue eating controllers and indoctrinators, eh? Wasp beetles and other insects are currently underutilized as food for people, and livestock, the report says. Insect farming is one of the many ways to address food and feed security. Insects are everywhere, and they reproduce quickly, and they have a high growth and feed conversion rates and a low environmental footprint, according to the report. They should see the, the environmental footprint that the caterpillars went across here in Canada, uh, and, they, and they ate all the, the leaves off the trees, and a lot of them just died. Anyway, it says authors point out that insects are nutritious with high protein, fat, and mineral content. Well, my, my statement to them is, is that, well, UN, why don't you change your cafeteria there, and, and you, you, you get it all through by leading. You lead, right? And, and see who will follow you. And make you make, make sure that you eat nothing but insects there, and you can continue to tell us how great it is after about a year or so. Right? How about that? Lovely UN, right? I can't see them doing without their lovely beef steaks and all the rest of it, and the money they get for sitting telling us what to do. And yes, they should lead lead by. That's how you do it. You lead by example. Now. I've mentioned before that Detroit is dysfunctional and wasteful. Emergency manager concludes it's completely, utterly broke. And it owes a deficit of $400 million. And of course, it's, it's, it's just like a massive welfare state now. It's, it's, it's been devastated. Devastated. But again, this is free trade too. 
And also mentioned too there, and I just touched on it, the Congressman's Bill asked for the study of autism rates in vaccinated versus unvaccinated children. So Congressman Posey calls for the study of the autism rates. And this is in a Health Impact News Daily article today. It was mentioned that Michael Belkin of the activist band The, the Refusers reported that the United States Congressman Bill Posey of Florida is taking the step of introducing a bill requiring the study of vaccinated versus unvaccinated children, along with his colleague, Representative Carolyn Maloney. Congressman Posey introduced H.R. 1757. The Vaccine Safety Study Act, which would direct the National Institutes of Health to conduct a retrospective study of health outcomes, including autism, of vaccinated versus unvaccinated children. That's about time somebody did it. And, of course, they'll block it because they know darn well it causes it. That's why they'll block it. And this one, too, is um, to do with uh, children losing their motor skills. It says the primary school children are losing their handwriting skills as touchscreen pinching, swiping and typing, and a lack of physical exercise leaves them with underdeveloped arm and hand muscles. I remember many, many years ago, they said that eventually we'd end up like little fat tubs and chairs with thin little short arms and legs because we wouldn't use them. Anyway, it says the problem is so chronic that teachers have predicted a growing number of children will perform poorly in the upcoming May the 14th NAPLAN tests because their over-reliance on technology and sedentary lifestyles mean they lack the arm strength and skills to write answers down quickly and concisely. I think they they actually lack the vocabulary too. And it says um, they do a lot of, some families are okay, and the ones that are okay, they generally get homeschooling done with painting and drawing and so on, develop their motor skills. And they pick up writing skills more easily. One of them says that we do a lot of drawing and colouring and so on, and they pick it up. They've accessed the computer, but this mother who teaches her own children thinks my son's writing skills are better than his computer skills. English teacher of more than 25 years, Sonia Walker, has about 30 children in the class, some as young as four, receiving weekly handwriting tuition and fine motor skills support at her occupational therapy centre, Kids First Children's Services. So these children at that age going for occupational therapy. She says 90% of her students, the majority of whom were under nine, had handwriting problems as a result of the overuse of technology. Their inability to write at length and to have stamina to be able to express their ideas clearly and concisely has deteriorated particularly over the past five years with the growing use of keyboards and other technical devices. For children to have good handwriting skills, they need strong muscles through the trunk of their bodies so their arms and hands and fingers develop well enough to be able to write clearly and legibly and at length. So I'll put this article up too. It goes on quite a bit. But it's, uh, it's not just uh, in one country. It's, not, it's in all the countries that are using them. And also, I mentioned this, but I didn't go through the article. It says, premature ovarian failure in a well-adolescent is is of rare events. So when the ovarian packs in, its occurrence raises important questions about causation, which may signal other systemic concerns. It says this patient presented with uh, amenorrhea after identifying a change from her regular cycle to irregular and scant pews following vaccinations against human papilloma virus. She was fine up until the Gardasil stuff, and bingo, now her, she's got ovarian failure. I'll put this article up too. And um, that's well documented to it's from the British Medical British Medical Journal actually. Of course, they'll have to cover that fast too because there's big bucks involved there. And also, 
there's people committing suicide in Britain for many reasons, mainly because of poverty and austerity, as I like to call it now. It's austerity. It sounds better than poverty. It's like serfdom sounded better than slavery. You know, it's the same kind of thing, isn't it? And uh, bedroom tax is blamed for women's suicide in Britain uh, because they brought in this tax. Now, if you've got a spare bedroom, uh, they would deduct money from your from your welfare or your supplements. And it said that Stephanie Bottrell, who killed herself earlier this month, wrote in her final letter, I don't blame anyone for me, my death, except the government, she said. Her son Stephen said she was struggling to cope after being told to pay uh, £20 a week extra for two under-occupied bedrooms at her home in Solihull. She told the Sunday people, I couldn't believe it. She said not to blame ourselves. It was the government and what they were doing that caused her to do it, to kill herself. She was fined before the bedroom tax. It was ramped up in London by people living in offices and big houses. They have no idea the effect it has on people like my mother. And she died 10 days ago, aged 53. And days running up to her death, she told neighbours, I can't afford to live anymore. And that's what's happening. It's true enough, these faceless bureaucrats... Uh, it doesn't matter what they do at the stroke of a pen, with all their gone on so many ridiculous meetings they have. Uh, th- and then they, they just put something in to make rules. They just make rules and it's passed and that's it. And, uh, and it affects millions of people just like that. Just like that. See, people are faceless to them. They just put years numbers. Awful things can happen when that's the case. Awful things. And also, I always uh, have to laugh when they talk about, uh, you know, outrage and stuff like that. So I picked an article about the same topic to do with uh, this particular councillor in England um, that doesn't have outrage on it. Because folk don't get outraged about anything now. You know, you see my slaughter, it doesn't bother them. In fact, they watch it for entertainment. Anyway, it says Colin Brewer, a shamed councillor. This guy was shamed before for saying nasty things. Now he's got a new rant where he says he likened disabled children to deformed animals that should get put down. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, talking about just today, the norm today basically. And those who end up in offices. I've mentioned so many times that psychopaths gravitate towards all kinds of government, all forms of it from the bottom level to the top. And every so often if they speak out on their own and they get off a script, it, it, it just leaks out what they actually are. But it's, some of them can't help themselves anyway at the lower end. And this is a councillor in Britain that got in trouble before for saying the same kind of thing. This is disgraced councillor Colin Brewer. Yes, he made, uh, launched another shameful attack on disabled children, branding them runts who should be killed the way deformed lambs are. It says um, they're costing too much money. It's all for economic purposes. His, his comments came two months after he quit his seat and then apologised for claiming disabled children cost the council too much money and should be put down. So he's done it again. He was re-elected earlier this month. He launched his latest rant in a chat with Disability News Service where he said farmers deal with deformed lambs by smashing them against a wall. He added, if they have a misshapen lamb, they get rid of it. Bang. So uh, this is, uh, he discussed his views with a farmer from his, w- Waden, uh, his Wadebridge East Ward in Cornwall. And the councillor added, he didn't see a lot wrong with what I said because it's something that they do every day. Farmers he's talking about. 
But just animals, he has a point. He says, you can't have lambs running around with five legs and two heads. Well, they do in the lambs, but they make some of these things. When asked if he could seriously compare a disabled child to a deformed lamb, independent Mr. Brewer said, the cost has to be evaluated. It's not something I would like to do, but there's only so much in the bucket, he says, meaning cash. So this is what you've got uh, in different levels of society. That's nothing to what the top guys talk about privately, mind you, about, you know, us, all of us. Also in Oxford, pedophile ring, seven guilty of sexually exploiting girls as young as 11. This is, uh, again, a lot of people coming into the country and in their own countries, grooming young children for prostitution is an ancient thing. And a bunch of them were doing the same thing in England. So lots, they've had lots of cases like this actually cropping up in England and it's part of the globalization system. That's just one of the things you have to put up with, we're told. Anyway, Social workers and even children's homes were involved. Now, again, kind of like the Savile thing, you always find the same thing on the go. This is it strange, isn't it? Anyway, says the men were found guilty of the old Bailey of a catalogue of offences, including conspiracy to rape, child prostitution, and trafficking over an eight-year period. The cops knew about it, too, but don't touch them because they're scared. They're scared anything you do with minority groups and <gasps> they back off. That's how they're all trained now, you know, like a Pavlovian response. And then this article, too, is to do with, uh, the, all seen, I think everybody's seen the thing about, the out, again, the outward, outrage word, nonsense, eh? outrage at Syrian rebel leader eating the heart of dead government soldier. Abu Sakar, leader of the 20,000-strong independent Omar al-Farouk brigade, seems to cut out the soldier's heart, then bites into it. And the human rights groups today condemned the horrific footage of the leader apparently taking a bite off the heart of a dead soldier. Well, don't forget, your, your, your prime ministers and your presidents are backing this guy with money and arms and all the rest of it. Right? Don't forget that. They want to oust the civilized bunch that have been running Syria for a long time. It's not a third world country. It will be once it's finished. And you want to let these cannibals slaughter all the people there? And you guys are behind this. Your presidents and prime ministers are backing cannibals. Freedom fighter cannibals. Phew, the world sunk, folks. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.